Hey, before I begin, I want to let you all know that I'm going to be taking the next two weeks off from spiritual life and leadership. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Please stop throwing all those rotten tomatoes at me. <laughs> uh, you know, the reality is that uh, this is Holy Week, and uh, next Sunday is Easter Sunday, and of course, uh, there's Good Friday, and we have a Good Friday service at my church, and so that means this is going to be a very full week for me. Uh, and after Easter, I'm going to be taking a week of vacation, and so that means that I am not going to be working on the podcast that week either. It's going to be a week of vacation. So uh, you can expect to see a new episode of Spiritual Life and Leadership uh, in your podcast app or on iTunes or whatever you use to listen on May 6th, which I know sounds really far away, uh, but really it's going to be here sooner than you know. Uh, now, shift to uh, what we're talking about today. Why do I call this podcast Spiritual Life and Leadership? Well, it's because I'm convinced that both the inner life and the outer life are critically important for spiritual leadership. The inner life, uh, the inner spiritual life, and the outer life of leadership. Right? Both are important. I've also become convinced that developing our inner life has to involve more than merely praying and reading scripture and doing spiritual things. These are critically important, but it also has to involve digging down below the surface of our lives and letting God heal the deepest parts of ourselves. And that's why I'm so excited to share this conversation with you uh, that I had with Ron Ovitt. Ron is the president and founder of an organization called Empower Ministry, which helps people grow into healthy Christians empowered for ministry in their lives. And for Ron, becoming a healthy follower of Jesus involves developing what he calls emotional resilience, uh, which is the ability to bounce back from painful experiences in our lives. Now, if you're a leader, I'm sure you can already see the value of having emotional resilience, and I'm sure you're going to love this interview. I'm Marcus Watson, and this is episode 32 of Spiritual Life and Leadership. Ron Ovid, it's good to be with you today. How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you very much. Yeah, so uh, Ron, you're the president of Empower Ministry, and um, why don't you just tell us real briefly um, what that is, and then uh, we'll kind of get into uh, the rest of the interview. But yeah, tell us a little bit about what you do with Empower Ministry. Yeah, Empower Ministry, our, of course, the theme is I can do all things through Christ who empowers me, is the real uh, word there. And and so our goal is to help people with uh, emotional issues, addictions, their spirituality, to you know be empowered by Christ to live the life that we were meant to live. So we do it through uh, books and teachings and podcasts and different things. So you know we're really enjoying the process, helping people uh, through the different materials we have. Very cool. Very cool. So let me. Um Ask just a couple of get-to-know-you questions here at the beginning. Um, first of all, Ron, what job would you be terrible at? <laughs> That's a great question. Anything uh, mechanical or electrical, 
you don't want me working on your car. It's, uh, I never could understand it. I thought it might be a perfect science, but man, when I try to get a boat to move and it don't move, <laughs> or I put a part in and it doesn't fit. So yeah, anything mechanical, I just, I just all thumbs when it comes to that. And yet I deal with, uh, I deal with human behavior. So go figure, you know. <laughs> right, right. Well, two different. Uh, yeah, anyway, different. <laughs> um, okay, and uh, Ron, when do you feel truly alive? You, you know, I've, when I'm teaching on an emotional resilience class, you know, I, I love the topic, the questions that come in, the ahas when it goes off in people's faces, the returning of joy from when we talk about painful emotions. I, I think I feel most alive when I'm uh, in my element there teaching that class. Oh, that's great. And uh, and the last question, if your life were a book, what would its title be? Yeah, a title for probably a book of my life would be My God Knows the Way Through the Wilderness. All I have to do is follow. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Well, uh, then, uh, in that case, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your story? Um, where did you, yeah, just kind of your, your, your spiritual journey, your life journey, and uh, what brought you to where you are today? Yeah, I... Uh, I was born in Detroit, um, identical twin. My brother's two minutes uh, older than I am, but we were on different days, minute before midnight and a minute after, so it's kind of unusual. But I come to know Jesus when I was 11 years old. We really didn't go to church anywhere, but uh, this guy came by the house and uh, asked if we'd go. He's starting a church, so my dad was reluctant, but uh, we ended up going. And um, my family, uh, my parents, my brother and I, we all... Well, we're saved there at that church. It shut down, so we started going to a little chapel that was uh, uh, local there in the neighborhood, and so that's where I really started growing in the Lord. Um, because of the family situation, some things going on in our family, I uh, I had quite a bit of anxiety. Um, I was had quite a few little phobias and uh, things, uh, dissociation and different things that was my normal, so I didn't really think it was abnormal. Uh, per se. It was okay. I was functional. I was really zealous for the Lord, probably uh, really leaned upon the Lord for that reason. In high school, was a, uh, we started a Christian club, had a lot of great experiences there. All my friends, you know, come to know Jesus. And then I went into full-time ministry at 20 years old. And uh, here again, although I was functional uh, at nights and things like that, I had just real severe anxiety. And and then some depression, and I tried to figure out what to do with that, you know, especially from a Christian view. Back then, Clyde Nearmore was about the only <laughs> psychologist of renown, a Christian psychologist. There was a few other, Paul Turnier, but then Gary Collins and others. So after about five years of ministry there, I decided to go back and uh, study psychology. I really felt that that would be the kind of ministry for me. So I've spent the rest of my life working in Christian social services as uh, executives and that. I loved the marketing of ministry, the business of ministry, as well as ministry, a lot of human services. But I'd say the last 15 years, I became executive pastor of a large church and started outreach. And one of the things we did was uh, addictions because of my background, graduate and undergrad in psychology. But I soon found out it was really about emotional resilience. It's about, you know, we medicate to re regulate our emotions. So I, I just delved in, jumped back in, and uh, 
with both feet and have just enjoyed the last 15 years a lot of healing in my own life that I didn't even know needed to be there and just have helped hundreds of people and put it in writing and that. So just having a good time. But my, I'd say that that's kind of the story of my life. So. Wow, yeah. So um, uh, one of the things that you talk about in your ministry now are uh, the five marks or the five signs of a healthy Christian. Did I say that right? The, is it the five signs? Yeah. Um, and I'd love to talk about that today, kind of the five signs, but then you already mentioned emotional resilience. Um, I'd love to kind of focus on that because I think that that's, in my opinion, re- just super important. But yeah, what are the five signs of a healthy Christian as you lay them out? Sure. Well, we start off with, you know, it's it's amazing, uh, uh, having been a pastor of a large church, you know, how many come and, and they come on Sunday, but, you know, are they healthy emotionally and spiritually? And so the first one's loving Jesus. Do you, you know, do you really love Jesus? And I put three different ways that we can love Jesus. And then the next is loving the Word. And it's amazing, over 60% of the people that go to church don't, don't read the Word on any regular basis at all. And and it's really hard to live a successful Christian life without, you know, being in the Word. And the third is a emotionally resilience. And I, I threw that in because it, it's not spoken of much in the church. And yet when you look at the Bible, it's all about people that bounce back from adversity. I mean, the whole stories in the Bible are about human beings, real people with real issues. And the Bible is full of hope, and yet we don't talk much about it. Instead, we you know, go around with our church mask and that, and everything's fine. So uh, I put that in purposely. The fourth is being Spirit-led. You know, the Holy Spirit is, is, you wouldn't even think it's part of the Trinity in many churches. You never, you never hear of, of it. And yet God manifests, our Holy God Spirit, you know, manifests Himself in the Spirit. And then the last, which is really, really strong in my life, is the being outwardly focused. Uh, I, I'm just amazed how inwardly focused we are in the church at large. And we've lost our ability, uh, our, you know, our birthright. We've given it up. And so we're not even called to the table for uh, any of the, you know, crises in the community or things. And because of our addictions work, I was a rarity. I was actually asked to be on the mayor's committee for drug addiction and that. But... It's, you know, we're not even asked to the table. So we've, we've got to get back to being outwardly focused and sharing the message. So that's the five signs. So love Jesus, love uh, God's word, emotional resilience, spirit-led, and outwardly focused. Yes. Now there's plenty more, of course, but I believe those are crucial. Yeah, that's good. And probably a lot of the others, I imagine, could fall under uh, as subcategories, perhaps, of these five things, it, it seems to me. But those, yeah, those seem really important. Um, the one, uh, as I was um, kind of looking at, uh, you know, your content and, and the kinds of things that you talk about and teach on, um, the thing that really jumped out to me was emotional resilience. Um, because, uh, well, I feel like that's something that maybe doesn't get talked, and you kind of touched on this already, it doesn't get talked about enough. Let's start, so I'd love to talk about that for a few minutes, So, um, um, and maybe for the rest of our time. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, um, how would you define emotional resilience? If someone asked you, what, is it, what does that mean? What would, you, what, what would you say? Well, I mean, the, the main word is, you know, uh, to bounce back from painful emotions. I say painful because we usually use the term negative, and of course not not every time we have a, 
negative emotion is a negative. I mean, anger is appropriate in, in the right place. Uh, certainly fear. If you're, you know, bus is coming at you, you better be fearful, right? So, it, it, but, the, but they can be painful. And uh, so uh, resilience is that ability to, to bounce back uh, from a, a painful emotion and, and return to joy. And actually, the class I teach is called Emotional Resilience, Living with the Fruit of the Spirit. And when you look at the fruit of the Spirit, it's love, joy, peace, patience, right, kindness, gentleness, you know, a faithfulness, self-control. I mean, that fruit is, there isn't hardly any emotional crisis you can go through that one of that elements of the fruit won't fit, you know, as the place to come back to. We don't have to stay in our pain. And so I teach, you know, all about that. Wow. Uh, and and why is it? Why would you say that's one of the marks of a healthy Christian? Why is that ability to bounce back uh, uh, one of the marks of healthy Christianity? Yeah, because I, you know, here again, you look at statistics, and you can hardly see a difference between the world and the church. I mean, the you know, forty million people in the world, uh, in the, excuse me, in the United States. You know, chronic uh, anxiety, and and yet the church statistics are almost you know the same. You know, when it comes to uh, depression, anxiety, divorce, you, you know, different uh, emotional issues, the church uh, you know isn't that much different. And and we aren't doing anything uh, you know as as we should. It's hard to get counseling centers and churches because of insurance. Uh, it's, you know, there's a battle going on. I mean, you should see the way some Christians treat people in my profession in uh, the media. You know, the, they, they call us heretics because we talk about psychology and that. I mean, we're, we, you know, I believe Jesus is the answer. That's no problem. But what's he the answer to? Uh, the, the theme in our program is get wisdom. But the second part of that verse in Proverbs, with wisdom, get understanding. And my life is committed to helping people understand what's going on. I, I break emotional resilience into three parts. The first is to emotionally recognize. Emotions are really sensations. You feel it in your body before you label it as a feeling. And so if you can, we train ourselves in the class to be able to listen to our body first, to be able to recognize when we're starting to emote, when we're starting to become uh, in touch with something that, that we're overdoing. And, of course, you can do that in hindsight. But, you know, so there's different ways to recognize it. And then, because what happens, it happens so fast, we're already down the road. You know, we, we, don't, we don't know how to stop it because we're not recognizing it. And so the second one is emotional regulation, learning how to regulate. And, of course, most of psychology is in that arena. A lot of talk about mindfulness and things like that uh, today is going around. And so that's really about regulating. But I talked to a lot of people, you know, in a class and I said, you know, this is more than regulating or coping because you'll be coping for 10 years from now. We need to go farther than that. And that's where I've labeled the third one and coined the phrase emotional relearning. And that is a lot of these things come from our roots of learning emotionally lies about ourselves and about life. Uh, feelings of inadequacy, feelings, you know, of I, I'm no good or I'm unlovable. Uh, those kind of things were emotionally learned. And even though I, I know all about cognitive psychology, 
well, for example, take a woman that's beautiful but feels she's ugly, or a person with anorexia that feels they're fat. Go ahead and try to tell them that they're beautiful or that they're thin. <laughs> they won't believe you. Because somewhere emotionally, you see, they learned that. Maybe it was, you know, combing the hair and say, oh, honey, you know, no man's ever going to like you or something. Somewhere they learned as a child. And it was a child's interpretation of, of something. So those are the three elements of our emotional resilience. And, and I believe it's important for the church that, you know, we can come then to Christ. Christ is part, I mean, I, I don't know what I would have done without God's affirming love for me. And he helped me emotionally learn the truth. Yeah. Um, I have a kind of a practical question in regard to the first one. Uh, when you say listen to your body, or oh, how, how did you put that? What's the first one? Yeah, emotional recognition. Mm-hmm. Uh, re- recognition and experiencing or, or being aware of it in your body. Like, can you give me a, a, like an example or two of, of what, you're, what you mean by that? Sure. I remember when I first came in touch with it, I was, uh, I was working with these uh, people and, and uh, we had a disagreement and I acquiesced. I, I'm a, I'm a shame based. You know, in my past, I was shame based, and so people pleasing was kind of a real thing for me. You know, you often hear that. You know, it's fight, flight, and freeze. I've actually named a fourth one, which I call fix. I, I it was keeping me from freezing in my old form it would be freezing but i learned to overcome that by fixing things being a people pleaser right acquiescing but that really doesn't do much for your emotions and so i remember i was on my way home and coming home and it was around dinner time and i'm yawning i'm thinking yawning what's going on and and you know we ate dinner i'm i'm yawning again and i could feel my mind racing i'm going what's going on here and all of a sudden I realized I'm still sitting. I was angry and still upset about that. So I made a promise to myself. I wrote it down. I said, okay, when I go in t- tomorrow and I see these people again, I'm going to uh, confront them in love and be healthily assertive and talk about this. And, you know, boom, it went away. Now, it could be headaches. A lot of pain is emotionally induced. So if you're getting a, a headache, you might say, what's going on? If you feel your jaw is clenched, your chest is tight. You can feel nervousness, you know, if all of a sudden you got, you feel like you got to get up and walk around. Ask yourself, what am I believing right now? What am I believing right now about myself, about the situation? And that's, you know, that's when you can start to regulate it. That's great. I, yeah, I, I, I resonate with that. I, I, when I start to get anxious or something is triggering me in some way, I get what I call a chicken bone in my throat or like a little knot in my throat. And I'm like, oh, okay, something, something is bothering me right now. And then, I, like, and it's interesting, the way you handle it, I found, or at least for me, uh, the way I, I respond, if I can respond physically in a way, just by leaning back in my chair, perhaps, you know, kind of getting some perspective or taking a deep breath, right? Then uh, I think, though, anyway, I think that maybe leads towards what you're talking about is regulation. I'm like, okay, what what's causing the chicken bone <laughs> in my throat? And, uh, you know, and then I'm like, oh, that person or that situation or those words or whatever is you know, there's something in me in my past. And, you know, I've got a great therapist who has helped me kind of become aware of a lot of things in my life. I'm like, oh, okay, I see where the connection is here. And it it is amazing how you're able to then move past it. Um, 
I mean, it's still, it's, it's on, uh, you know, the emotional relearning, I think is so important too. That third one, you have to keep having new experiences to give yourself new emotions in regard to the things that formerly caused you anxiety or shame or anger or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you hit it on the head. I, a lot of the anxiety we go through, or, which is a prevalent emotion for many of us, is, you know, sometimes it's cognitive. You know, you, it's, it's done from your cerebral cortex, and so you need to rethink some things. But a lot of times it's coming from the amygdala, <laughs> which is the guard shack, right? And though it doesn't hear a word you're saying. I mean, you can tell it, be quiet, calm down. It doesn't hear anything. It responds to the body. And so when we do, like you said, a deep breath, a relaxing breath and let it out, you know, when we can do things like that, that calm us down, then, then if we have been practicing uh, relearning, we can remind ourselves. Uh, one thing I, you know, I go for the juggler on this. The one I tell people to say is, I'm not going to die. <laughs> because it's when you boil down, it's always this, you know, fear is just a large boom, bam, you know, because resisting it doesn't help. You know, if you, the old saying, if you resist, if you uh, resist, it will insist. Uh, anxiety doesn't always listen to resisting. So a lot of times, uh, if we can just let it be, let know that it's there, it's not going to kill us and just uh, move on. You know, treat it, you know, it's a distraction, you know, distract yourself from it. You know, if you can embrace it, you can erase it. That's the one that I say a lot of times. So you embrace it and say, this is just faulty wiring, you know, and and, and that's where prayer comes in. This is where we walk with the Lord. Lord, what's going on? Lord, help me. Lord, I'm believing this. What's the truth? What's the truth? And man, when he tells you truth, it's emotional. That's emotional relearning. Because he has authority. See, truth has, if it's going to be emotional, it has to come from a reliable source. You know, a lot of the lies we believed, and, and I'll give the parents credit, it's a misinterpretation, but when a parent maybe was overbearing, over stern, we may have t- took, took the interpretation that, hey, you know, uh, there's something wrong with me. They're not pleased with me. I have to, you know, we interpreted it as conditional love instead of unconditional. And of course, in some cases, there are, you know, there is abuse. There's an epidemic out there of childhood abuse. So, and sometimes it's a, the person that's supposed to love us is hurting us. So where do we go? And, and so we can really misinterpret things. So a lot of times uh, we get in touch with memories and we bring the Lord into the memory and, and he changes us and tells us the truth. That's good. Uh, one of the things you said reminded me, you said we need to embrace it, um, I read a book a few years ago uh, by Lou Smeads, Lewis Smeads, called uh, Shame and Grace. And uh, yeah, one of the things he said is we need to embrace our raw material. And um, that, I don't know, that at the time, you know, that was just, uh, I, I really resonated with that, you know, just as I've, as I was sort of learning about myself and the way I had been wired over the course of my life and, uh, you know, the the things that had caused me shame, things that I did or things that were done or anyway, I was like, oh, so that's just my raw material. That's what I've got to work with. And it, and when you can get there and embrace it, it's like, okay, <laughs> now I can go from here, right? Rather than pretending that our 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 life is something other than what it is, uh, you know, it's 
Uh, what I what I hear you saying is is we need to just embrace reality and and then we can move forward. Yeah. A lot of times, too, transforming prayer, which used to be called theophastic prayer by Dr. Ed Smith, he, he's kind of like the grandfather in some of this. And, of course, there's other good Christian programs out there. Jim Wildler has a, a great program, and there's others. But a lot of times what happens when, when you are in a moment, if you'll stop and ask yourself, and you can ask the Lord, although he won't make you go, Anywhere you don't want to go. You know, he honors our free will. But if we say, Lord, I want to, Lord, let me go back to a place where I felt this way before. And in it, it, here it's sensation-based, right? Because the amygdala, it, it picks up sensations. So when we do that, you'll be amazed at a memory you'll come back to. And then you'll, you'll get in that memory and, you, okay, what am I believing? See, it's, it's not what happened. I mean, I've dealt with... You know, as a, counselor, a pastor, counselor, all kinds of people. And, and, and I, it doesn't matter if they are telling me the truth or not. Did their father really do it? I'm not into whether they did or not. The question is, they believe it. The question is, what are you believing about yourself? What, what are you believing about yourself? And a personal example of mine is I remember one time when I was really shook about something. Something was happening at the church and someone didn't didn't like me or didn't like what I did or something like that. And I was going in a tizzy. And I said, Lord, let me go back to a time like this. And for some reason, I gave too much power to the person. You know, I thought, oh, boy, this is it. And it took me back to memory where my mom came into the room and said, boys, say bye to your dad. You're never going to see him again. They were talking about, you know, divorce or whatever, and just shook me to the core, of course. And and I asked Jesus, you know, here I was an observer. I'm above it in the cloud looking down at the scene, right, as a mature adult, looking at my little Ron. And, and I remember saying, uh, and I invited Jesus into the scene. Now, I don't mean to be sacrilegious. I'm not saying this was actually him. I wouldn't do that to the Lord. But the image that I had was him sitting and reclining back on a couch. And I, and I remember, and I, I turned to him and said, Well, Jesus, are you going to leave me? And, of course, I remembered immediately that he said that to his disciples. So my mind's going a mile a minute. And without hesitation... This image of the Lord looked up at me and, and said, I ain't going nowhere. Now, I, I don't think the Lord would use ain't, you know, but for me is what I needed to hear. It's how I talk. And, and, and it was a precious and I knew it was God. I mean, could I have imagined that? Yeah, perhaps. But God uses our imagination. He's created us so wonderfully. And all truth is God's truth. It was the truth, and it came from what I believed was God in my spirit, and that was an emotional relearning, that he's not going anywhere. And I've, I reflect upon that a lot. You know, so that's an emotional learning, and, and that healed that. And, and then a lot of times, the things that trigger us, see, the trauma, I don't know about you in, in your life, but for me and a lot of people I work with, they can't remember much of their childhood. And there's a, there's a reason for that. Uh, when when we are traumatized, and and it doesn't have to be a big trauma with a capital T. It doesn't have to be necessarily what someone did horrific to us. There are trauma small T, which is things that should have happened and didn't happen, or the traumas where we amplify it and interpret it right. 
And so for me, you know, the, the trauma uh, that happened in that, uh, when that happens, your brain starts pumping out, your body pumps out cortisol. And that cortisol, uh, the amygdala takes over and it shuts down uh, the hippocampus, which is your memory part of your brain. And it's and so what happens then, you're in this hypervigilance. And for years, I mean decades, I was in this hypervigilance, sort of like you know, there was a predator in the room, you know, that kind of awareness that, you know, I'm okay functioning, but I'm always kind of a little bit nervous, always on guard. And, and that was my normal. Well, when you're doing that as a child, it, it, you, you'll be amazed how much you don't remember. But, you know, it so becomes implicit memories out of awareness. And so when sensations come, someone looks at you stern, all of a sudden, boom, you're reacting much like post-traumatic stress, right? You're reacting in the present to something that triggered you in the past. And so if we deal with those things. That's what we deal with. Oh, that's great. Wow. And so... Um do you get resistance uh, from, you know, church leaders, ministry leaders on this kind of thing, on, on the need for emotional resilience? Do you ever face any resistance? Oh, of, of course. You know, I mean, you know, what, what about the Lord? Of course, if they stuck around my class or they listen to it or read the books I write, they'll know it's all about Jesus. Um, you know, that he's the, he's the, the comforter, the Holy Spirit. But yeah, you do because it, you know, they call it psychobabble or this and that. And, and, you know, yet a doctor can use all kinds of medical things and no one goes, what's well, medical babble, you know. And I get it. I get it because, you know, uh, the, you get into self-reliance or something and it seems like we're not relying on the Lord. Uh, but the truth is, so much of what we do is not relying on the Lord. <laughs> Our lives aren't relying on the Lord. And if someone were to ask you, you know, why, why do you think spiritual leaders need to know about emotional resilience? Like, why, why is it important for spiritual leadership? What would you say? Well, because as spiritual leaders, I mean, do you ever see two, two people arguing in a church? Are, are those adults arguing or, or, or is that children arguing? We, we need resilience because it's, it's one of the biggest factors in leadership. There's always something going on, some sort of crisis, something that is due. I remember coming home lots of times saying to my wife, boy, I put out a lot of fires today. You know, things don't work out the way they should. Budget isn't meeting uh, like it should. People come to us with problems. I mean, it's not a mystery that many therapists go and, you know, study psychology because of their own issues. I mean, I admit that. You know how many pastors have never been trained in this stuff? They took maybe one course in pastoral counseling if they were lucky. And yet, you know, people come to pastors for all kinds of things. And, and we need, you know, we need to do that. So resilience is the name of the game. If we're going to make changes in our church, if we're going to do things that move us forward, we need to learn to bounce back from strong emotions and to be able to monitor our own self. And, you know, so yeah, leaders need, leaders need it for sure. It's, uh, it's quite possible. And I know I've experienced this where, you know, you're engaged in a conversation or a staff meeting or a, you know, an elder meeting or something like that. And, uh, and and then, you know, I, as the pastor, would get triggered on something. And, you know, it's not like I would lash out or anything like that. That's not how I'm wired anyway. But internally, I'd get all anxious. I'd get the chicken bone in the throat, you know. And um, and for a long time, yeah, I didn't 
really know what was going on. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, we need, if I think, and like, just to kind of affirm what you were saying, if, uh, if we're going to be the leaders that God has called us to be, then we need the inner healing, uh, that Jesus wants for us. Um, you know, our, how can our outer life be the life uh, that God calls it to be if our inner life isn't hasn't experienced the the healing spiritual emotional everything because they all go together right it's all part of who we are right my emotional life is just as much a part of the me that God wants to heal as my spiritual life or my physical life or or any other part of my life and uh yeah and how can I lead if if I'm not letting God heal all of that inside of me yeah well, sure. And, and a lot of our habits, a lot of our things come. Uh, and, of course, leaders, we're not, you know, we're susceptible to that just as much as anyone else. You know, we get shocked when all of a sudden we find out a pastor maybe had an addiction, an addiction or, you know, had infidelity or something. And yet the, the fact is, you know, they put us on pedestals, but we don't we don't deserve to be there. We're just as human as anyone else. And a lot of our habits, I have a new book coming out called uh, The Habit Challenge. It will be out in a while. And uh, it's all about how do we change our habits and addictions, you know. And, of course, emotional relearning is part of that. And, and you'll be amazed in the church how many people are on antidepressants and anti-anxiety medicine and suffering and hurting, and yet they, they come to church and they can't even talk about it. Uh, you know, it's, it's not, we're not apparently spiritual if we have issues like that. And it, it's just such a, a foster. The church should be the safest place on earth. You know, I mean, it should be no perfect people are allowed, you know. Uh, it, it should be a place where we can come uh, for healing and and in, in the leadership, too, I might add, how many times, you know, like you said, you're not wired that way. I know some that are. That's my way or the skyway. But for many of us, we're codependent. I mean, we, we you know, we, we acquiesce. We don't know how to confront. We don't know. And I tell you what, you'll get eaten up alive uh, as a leader. And uh, so, and, and you'll, you know, passive aggressive. So, I mean, it's important. Uh, and how many of our marriages as pastors? I mean, I was a workaholic, and uh, uh, which is, you know, the untalked about addiction, right? That, that uh, you know, we get rewarded in, as a pastor if we work, you know, 100 hours a week, you know. Uh, and yet it's, it's wrong, you know. And uh, so, you know, yeah, emotional health is very important to leadership and to the church and needs to be talked about. Well, um, man, I'm so glad you're talking about it. Churches, leaders uh, need to learn this and and uh, implement it. Um, if anyone wanted to connect with you, how how can they connect with you? Yeah, well, it's uh, Ron at Empower Ministry, one word, dot org. And actually, for your audience, uh, I have a book I wrote called Power Up. It goes a little bit into the emotional relearning, and then it's scriptures that I took on various emotional issues and put in the first person. So they're like affirmations. So, you know, uh, he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. The old King James, I put, I will be in perfect peace as I keep my mind on him. And and so uh, I, I, I have a PDF version of that book 
And I'd be happy to give any of your listeners, uh, you know, if they would uh, go to Empower Ministry org www.empowerministry.org forward slash power up one word uh, they can uh, get that I, they may need to do a power uh, forward slash afterwards but I don't think so and uh, then they can just sign up for that too but if they want to get in touch with me it's Ron at Empower Ministry and I'd be happy to answer anybody awesome I'll, I'll include all of that in the show notes and so folks can hopefully just click through on that Wow. Well, um, Ron, thanks so much for uh, being here today and uh, for sharing uh, a little bit about yourself. Oh, you're welcome. Well, God bless you and all you do. Yeah, uh, I look forward to maybe having some more conversations about some of these things in the future. I think that'd be great. Oh, it'd be wonderful. That'd be great. Well, thank you and God bless you. Well, here's my takeaway from this episode. In order to be emotionally resilient, we have to be able to do these three things that he mentioned. We have to recognize our emotions. We have to be able to regulate our emotions. And finally, we need to relearn our emotions. Recognize, regulate, and relearn our emotions. And the reality is that there is no magic wand uh, for any of this, right? Uh, Being able to do this involves a lot of deep inner life work. It involves a lot of surrender. It involves embracing our raw material. It probably involves finding a good therapist or a spiritual director to help us dig into our raw material and process whatever painful experiences may be limiting us as leaders. But let me tell you that the work is worth it. Now, if you'd like to connect with Ron, you can email him. Uh, His email address is ron at empowerministry.org. Uh, And if you'd like to download his uh, free PDF, the free PDF version of his book, Power Up, uh, then just go to www.empowerministry.org slash power up. So empowerministry.org slash power up, and you can download that free PDF book uh, right there. Uh, If you'd like to connect with me, you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, My Twitter handle is at Marcus Watson. Don't forget Marcus with a K, Marcus with a K, M-A-R-K-U-S. W-A-T-S-O-N. And then you can also email me if you'd like to, uh, marcus at marcuswatson.com. And by the way, um, all of these uh, resources are going to be available in the uh, show notes. And so check those out if you'd like to just find a link to um, the PDF that Ron is making available, as well as uh, other ways to connect with Ron and uh, some of the other resources that we mentioned. So thanks again for being here, uh, for listening, and um, I will see you on May 6th. May 6th, right here on Spiritual Life and Leadership. Music